Hello, and welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we watched a movie about legally non-binding sex paperwork, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we've watched the movie version of Fifty Shades of Grey. Joining us to discuss this controversial film is a returning guest, librarian, and bellwether friend, Anna. Hello. Hey. And a new guest for the movie episode, internet personality, Laura. Hello. Welcome. All right. Um, so right off the bat, I want to say that these three have seen the movie. I haven't seen it um, because I personally have decided that I'm going to donate $50 to charity instead of seeing this movie. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. It's because there's an ice storm and I can't leave my house. <laughs> Otherwise, I would definitely be out there contributing my money to this garbage. Um, but we did want to start off talking a little bit just about the controversy. Um, even like after we put out our episode about it, some people on Twitter said that they thought we were excusing abuse or making light of it. And there's definitely been a Wait, lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What was the reaction? I'm now, now mostly favorable. I mean, okay. mostly favorable. Uh, mostly people, I think, either agreed with us or just didn't want to talk to us. But. Um, yeah, there were a few who did not feel the same as us and disagreed strongly with us, which is their prerogative on the internet. But uh, also, just to be totally clear, if you actually are in a relationship that reminds you of Anna and Christian in a bad way, you don't like it, yeah, you're probably in an abusive relationship. Uh, Red off. flag. Yeah, like, I totally agree. This relationship in real life would be fucked up, weird, don't want it. If it reminds you of you or someone you know, check out loveisrespect.org or other uh, similar organizations to, you know, for resources for getting out of your abusive relationship. But we're not talking about real life. We're talking about a book and a movie um, that that many women have clearly enjoyed at least aspects of. And that's that's what we want to talk about. Um, and so, but... Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, Renata and I have kind of had this ongoing conversation on various platforms, um, mostly via, like, email and things about how, jokingly at first, but then kind of legitimately how most of the relationships in love actually are just as, if not more creepy <laughs> than the relationship in Fifty Shades of Grey. And, um... <laughs> or, like... Yeah. Kate, or you like can't say that in any romantic comedy. Yeah, and that's what that's what I'm saying. It's it's not so much that we're saying this is the model of a great, healthy relationship. Obviously, it is not. It is fucked up. But I feel like it's being unfairly held to some higher standard than every other like romantic comedy or whatever. Like you know, yeah, look at love. Actually, look at Colin Firth and his maid who doesn't speak English. That's a romance with a power differential. Look at the prime minister and his chubby secretary. Look at the fucking guy with the note cards. And like, oh. <laughs> those are not healthy relationships, but nobody's telling me to like donate money to charity instead of seeing that movie. I think that it's the same thing that when we get people at the lab library and they're like i can't believe you let my kid check out this book like it's telling them to do this and it's telling them, it's just a book <laughs> it's fiction it's not like a how-to manual for your sex life 
It right. makes me think of uh, the uh, Louis K.C. line about, like, maybe you should talk to your ugly child for five minutes. Right. And that's the thing, too. Like, somebody was saying, like, if you care about teen girls, which I do, I'm a teen librarian, but, like, if you care about teen girls, then you would hate this book. Like, this book, A, isn't for teens, it's for adults. And, I, I mean, I not that I even am really into censoring what teens read, but, like, this is for adults who are theoretically capable of making their own decisions uh it's you know it's it's kind of what you're talking about before if you think that women are going to read this and then just blindly like end up in an abusive relationship then i don't think you're giving most women enough credit and i also don't think that if women not to not to blame anyone abuse is very pervasive and you know, it definitely, I don't mean to victim blame in saying this, but I also don't think that reading this book is going to make someone immediately say like, yes, that I'm immediately going to go out and find a man who's going to, you know, that treat me like unlikely. this. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, like, and again, if you yeah. are, if, some credit. <laughs> yeah. If you are, you're getting that message from so many other places. Right. And again, from from worst bestsellers to you, if you want to like experiment with BDSM, do not use Fifty Shades of Grey as your guide. <laughs> um, get some more. Uh, actually, in the reader's advisory from our last book, we linked to a couple nonfiction books that were recommended as sort of intro guides. We'll can link to them again. Or there's a lot of resources. Like this is a fictional erotic fantasy. It is not a how-to guide. Please don't treat it like one. Don't treat guys. any fictional books you read like how-to guides. Hmm. Don't try to do magic after reading Harry Potter. <laughs> Don't... The, the magical system makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Don't go, try to time travel after you read Outlander. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try to drive cars after you watch Fast and the Furious. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me. Can I do an anecdote? Please. Um, so, um, we've been, Kate has been jokingly saying about how, like, now that I've seen this movie with her, I'm, like, on, I've joined the crazy crowd of, like, defending it, even though I don't like it. Yes! And I have, because, guys, I have talked about this movie with so many people. I talked about it with my coworkers um, at length in an incident that could probably get me brought up in HR. But that's another, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's another story entirely. I I I, met, I went. I was hanging out with my um, best friend the other day, and I yelled at him for ten minutes because he was dismissive of this movie. <laughs> I talked. I. I've talked to so many people about this. I feel like an insane Fifty Shades defender slash evangelist, and I don't even like it. I know. It's fucked up. <laughs> I am. Um, I was at work the other day, and I was talking to my um, friend Kylie, who is also has like kind of read them all didn't like them kind of falls into the same camp as us. And she also went to go see the movie with a bunch of friends. And we were talking about it. And I was saying to her, um, something about it. And one of our coworkers wandered over and immediately like went into the whole, did you know that it's abusive? Did you? And instead of like screaming and shaking her, which is what I want to do when I read it on the internet, I like very calmly met all of her points with like a, a logical explanation. And when the conversation ended, she was like, Oh, well, you know, I did actually read them and I didn't think they were that bad, but everyone's just saying they're bad. So I figured they must be. And like, this is, this is what. That's emotional abuse. She has been emotionally abused. Yeah, into... she was just, she was gaslighting. 
Yes. Oh I, I had an argument with a good friend of mine who said um who said that it was abusive and, and so on and so forth and I was like, Have you read it? And she said that she did extensive excerpts on Tumblr and I was like so you haven't read it. So you why don't we have this conversation again after you've actually read the book? Right. That would be great. Yeah, you you tweeted and I retweeted that we're no longer having a conversation about anybody uh, about 50 shades with anybody who hasn't read the book and I feel like that's sensible. And I will try to stick to it. I feel like I should mention I haven't read the book, but I can see the movie. Yeah, well that counts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, back to the uh, original point, or maybe one of the points in here earlier. Like, if you want to donate $50 to anti-domestic violence causes, like, that's awesome. I think, you know, if you have $50 to give, that's a great cause to support. But I don't really understand why there was this I mean, okay, I do understand why, but it's sort of interesting that there has been this big movement, like, donate $50 instead of seeing this movie, when there's so many other, like, equally harmful and, like, fucked up movies out there. It's like you said on you said on Twitter, like, what did you donate for us seeing American Sniper? Oh, my God, yeah. Nobody had a cause about that. And that, uh, you know, there was some article about how there was a huge increase in threats against Muslims after that movie came out. Like, that's a documented real life problem being caused by this film like did you donate money to uh you know local not anti-defamation or, or something yeah. yeah i mean i didn't i also didn't see that movie so. me either <laughs> so I, I you know by my own rules i can't talk about american sniper but it sounds problematic <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i feel like if people had donated more money to anti-global or to you know anti-climate change foundations after or instead of seeing frozen we would not be in the situation that we're in right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um so we actually part of the reason we decided to do this episode was because we felt like we spent so much much time in the book episode defending the book that we never got a chance to talk about how like batshit the book is yeah there's some the nor, movie by nor did we get through the entire plot of the book we just sort of petered out <laughs> we never got to the ending we like we finished the recording which was like way over our normal time anyway and then we all got on twitter and spent an hour like oh my god we forgot to say this oh my god we forgot to say that <laughs> shit um so this is in some ways a, actually, a catch up from uh, that what? I was actually shocked by the ending of the movie because I didn't realize how it ended until I saw it. <laughs> so Oops, I guess sorry. <laughs> let's um yeah let's get into it. Let's uh, how we're gonna try to do this is just a sort of loose Q and A format. Um, I the token straight girl and the only one who hasn't actually seen it yet. Uh, <sighs> thank you, Elsa, for that. <laughs> but I I do hope to soon. But in the meantime, I'm just gonna ask uh, these three lesbians to tell me all about Christian Grey's dick. <laughs> And other <laughs> concerns. We don't. You don't see it. We can't tell you anything about it. God damn it! <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Number one question, just uh, generally, how it, how did it stack up against the book? It was definitely a better movie than the book was a book. Um, I think it did a a good job conveying everything that happened in the book. Like it covered the whole book, which I didn't expect it to do, but it somehow did. Um, it told the full story. It was incredibly boring at times because of that, because this book is full of contracts and people just talking to each other between sex scenes. 
Um, but as a movie, I was, I, I wanted it to be worse. I wanted it to be like a fun, like, like oh, let's get drunk and go yeah, do yeah. this. So bad. But... It's good movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. It's not good. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, it's it's like weirdly, it's in this weird point, because so I didn't see the book. So I only had Kate's whispered, um, <laughs> like, like uh, she would she would lean over and tell me things that were different, but, because um, we talked through the whole thing. But uh, <laughs> she, uh, I, I was just going to say that it's in a weird place where, like, parts of this movie were downright competent, and um, actually, I, the first hour, I really enjoyed it, and then it got super boring. But, like, yeah. like this, yeah, it's weird. It's a very, it's strange. It's not bad enough, but it's also not good enough. Mm, I hate movies I, like that. Here's here are the things that they improved on. They took we didn't have to think listen to her inner monologue. Oh, nice. Yeah. We didn't have so many email exchanges. We just had a few. <laughs> Not Can pages you imagine and pages. if it was just like Oh, well, I guess there are movies now that do like pop-up text messages on the there, screen. And that's basically yeah. what it was like. Okay. And the contract stuff was like over a montage of her moving and reading and like looking perplexed and titillated <laughs> and so that it was less boring but I have to agree that the second half of the movie so I went at a, to a 1040 showing <laughs> and by the time the second half of the movie came along I was like oh my god it's still happening they're still having sex and nothing is really happening and I can't uh and I, I didn't have anyone to go with, but I was I made my friend in Seattle go at the same time, and so we messaged each other throughout the movie nice. from the back row. I've done that with similar things that no sane local person would go see with me. I, uh, I will say another improvement from the book to the movie is that Anna does have a computer. <laughs> that's yes. important. <laughs> she has a computer and it's broken. And that's yeah. why that he gets so her. That makes more sense. Right? Yes. Um, and I did. I appreciate that. And um, it, yeah, it, I, I mean, it wasn't, I, I liked it more than I liked reading the book. Me too. Although I, I think I like the sex scenes in the book better than I like the sex scenes in the movie. I don't know. Maybe because then I could pretend there wasn't a man involved. It's not uh-huh. clear. <laughs> um, Surprisingly male gazy for like a female written, female directed for a female audience movie. Like it was very much, the attention was very much on her. He didn't do full frontal at all. She did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but it was very like... You know, you, close up on her breasts and her hips and her legs. And as a lesbian, I was like, yes, <laughs> what I came yeah. here to see. Please don't show me his penis. But like, I kind of feel like as a feminist, I should be like, no, he needs full yeah, frontal, e- too. Yeah, equal there was opportunity. A, yeah, there's a part where um, you see Bush where his I mean, I don't know what you call that for a man, but um, he like he's taking his um, jeans off or whatever. And <laughs> there's a moment where I was like, this is when there should be Dick in this movie. And the, the camera very demurely cuts away. And I was like, I was like, I don't want to see that. But I was like, I felt cheated. I was like, hey, <laughs> there needs to be more dick in this movie. I, this felt very unequal. Although I guess to me, like, I I am straight and I like men. But just looking at a penis, like, penises are not that sexy looking. I'm so glad to hear you say that. You're right not going to get 
any disagreement here. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I <laughs> you know, I obviously, like, I like, I like a dick in my life, but like, looking at it is like, there's other parts that are more attractive. Right. But like, as a, like a fairness thing, it was oh, like, well, yeah. she's totally, I mean, you see like full frontal nudity from her. So I was like, you should at least have like a blurry, like Ben Affleck thing where or like his dick is there, but it's you know you can you see it if you know to look for it. Oh yeah, like there should at least been of that. For equality sake, I definitely agree. Like he should show his dick, but I get it. <laughs> well, we have two more movies in which he could potentially show his dick. Well, and especially since E.L. James is taking control, uh, have we been following that saga? Oh God, I can't wait for the tell-all book. Yes. There was that Vanity Fair article that uh, the director, what's her name, Sam Taylor? I did read the Vanity Fair article and heard all the hoopla about that. And from what it sounds like, by the time we get to the third movie, it's going to be written, directed, like everything will be (laughs) E.L. James. Started. Started. E.L. James. (laughs) E.L. James playing all parts. It's going to be like The Room. <laughs> That'd be like a split screen. Man, I would love that, honestly. Like, because from just, like I said, I still haven't seen the movie, but from how you described it being like not so terrible, but not so good, that's kind of like. I talk about this a lot because people are like, I can't believe you don't like this thing when you like this thing and it's so much worse. And for me, there's kind of like a bell curve where like I love really terrible, shitty things and I love like actually good things but a lot of mediocre stuff even if it's like kind of good mediocre I'm like I'm not that interested in I think things that are very bad like they'll surprise you because things that are mediocre they tend to be sort of formulaic but when you go off the deep end into being very bad you can't even predict it because like they don't even know like the author doesn't know and it's just like awesome that's exactly why the second half of this was boring is it there were no surprises yeah Uh, should have been weird except for the end end i guess so i was sitting in the theater and the (laughs) end came where she like leaves and the elevator door closes and that's it and this guy in the audience is like what the fuck (laughs) someone said that in ours too (laughs) oh yeah so we uh again we got distracted when we talked about the book and never actually said the ending which is very abrupt it's just she decides to break up with him (laughs) and does well, yeah. she she's like, like, why do you have to punish me? I don't understand. Why do you need to do that? Like, how bad can it be? I need to know. And then so, uh, you know, with without any foreplay or whatever, he's like, all right, I'm going to spank you. And then that yeah. is upsetting to her. And so or she like, leaves. Yeah. Sorry, it was whipping your... Or, no. Well, it, well anyway. It was an implement. Yes. I think it's a belt in the book also. Yeah, it is. Which is terrible BDSM. Like, you're both angry. Don't do that. Right. Yeah, don't do that. No one's into it. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, what are you getting out of this? Like, knock it off, you crazies. Right. But obviously they get back together within not too long in the second book. Cause... Oh, I assume the second and third book was about her self-actualizing. Yeah, actually. <laughs> that, that's a whole another that's the reality that, that's that would four. be awesome <laughs> that's my au fan fiction where she goes to forks becomes a vampire chills out awesome the other thing too is that she says to him that she feels when he wants to punish her the way that he feels when she wants to touch him 
Um, and that's like this big thing that I don't remember if we talked about, but like one of his rules is that like he barely ever takes his shirt off with her and he doesn't want her to touch him. Right. And it's, you know, implied that it's because of his childhood. Because of his crack hole. And when she says that, he gets really upset. And she (laughs) is like he it's like the first time he realizes how upset it makes her and it like makes her question their whole relationship and they break up. And it's not, I feel like a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people speculating they break up because he punishes her and he hits her, but that isn't it. I mean, that's the implication is that is not that, oh, he did this to me, so I need to break up with him. It's that this is his lifestyle and I don't know that I can do this. So right. I'm I don't think I can take what the maximum of what he needs to, feels like he needs to give out. Which yeah. has been alluded throughout the book. I mean, when you look at the hard limits in the book and she's shocked by them, when you look at her soft limits and she's like, I don't want to do any of this, basically. It's, it's kind of been leading up to that-ish. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel uh, like that's a lot of the book is their negotiation between she doesn't want to do any of this, but she's like doing some of it for him. And she is even enjoying some of it for him and that she wants him to move closer to compromise with her and and give up some ground on having a romantic relationship with her because she really secretly wants and like that i I think think is the the driving conflict of the whole series yeah and it's actually not a bad one i would say i mean it's well you know it's i think kate you might have said this but it's straight up it's straight from your usual romance novel about the rake and the beautiful virgin you know pure woman who he falls in love with and he doesn't know how to express it, so he comes out of stalking, and uh, <laughs> she changes him. That's that's the plot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was Anna's main point, just to give credit. But oh, we thanks. all we all agree. <laughs> Can we go back to the um, casting for a minute? Because I thought they did a pretty good job casting. Yeah, the t- two of tell them. me about that. Because I know there about- was a lot of scandal about, especially casting um, Christian Grey. How did you feel yeah. about that, dude? I felt. We felt like um, our main problem was that he's not tall enough. Like he's mm. not, he's like six <laughs> feet maybe. And she's 5'8". And so they just were too close in height for him to be like dominating possessive presence, I felt. But otherwise, mm. I thought he was great. You did? Yeah. Because I, mean, <laughs> um, I got to say, okay, so I'm a lesbian. So I, I'm somewhat flexible. Like I can normally recognize male beauty and he did not have it. It was probably partially because he was not, like, filmed from, like, a, you know, a, a female gaze. Like, there was no, right, I, right. there was no, like, him taking off the shirt and it's, like, you know, like, when Thor takes off his shirt? Oh, tell me more. <laughs> it, right? And it's, like, listening and, like, I'm not into that, but I'm, like, I just want to touch his abs. Yeah, I pre- appreciate <laughs> it. Right? Or, like, Captain America with the abs when it reveals like there was nothing like that so i was the whole through the whole movie i was it's like um she's playing against this sort of wet cardboard and like i loved dakota johnson in this and i was like whatever he's awful but i felt like he was a good fit for christian because that's kind of what christian's character is like (laughs) (laughs) oh so he was actually playing it well is what you're saying that's what i'm saying yes yeah okay well, then I'm not giving him credit. With him. He, like, I, he didn't obviously do anything for me, um, but I didn't think he was bad. Like, I had heard in advance, you know, all these reviews talking about how, like, they have no chemistry and it's terrible and he's a terrible mm-hmm. actor. And I didn't really feel that at all. Like, I felt like they were very awkward together, but that's also just the book. I felt like they kept in some of the humor, too, of the book, which was good. Oh, yeah. It was very funny in parts, intentionally so. 
Did they keep, um, I didn't mention this in the book podcast, but there was exactly one intentional joke in the book that actually made me laugh out loud. And it's when um, they're emailing back and forth and talking about like their limits. And then it, it ends up in some kind of like banter about grammar. And Anna writes back that prescriptive linguistics are a hard limit for her. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> did they have that? They did not keep that they in. They did not. Um, I, Garbage. I my, will say that the we didn't talk about it in the book one. But um, there's this, like, thing that goes back and forth between them where um, so he's dating his brother, Elliot, and Elliot is, like, a, like, laid-back surfer type, and he says to her, like, later's baby. And yes. Christian then says that as a joke to Anna and in, and then says it repeatedly. Like, it becomes a running joke. And in the book, I was kind of like, that's stupid. I actually laughed when it happened on screen. Like, actually hearing them say it with their intonation, I got the joke much better on screen than it was on the page. Oh, good. Yeah, but what did they do to They're Elliot? Also... It seemed like he, he didn't like Elliot at all. It was strange. That was... there. I didn't understand... Well, I the, the stuff with Elliot and um, the roommate... Kate. Kate did not translate well to the movie. Because watching it, I was like, well, this is the clear fanfic part where there's a background couple hooking up. Yeah, it was definitely underutilized in the movie. Like, there's really only three times we see them together, and it's like in the club when Christian picks Anna up after she drunk dials him. That was hilarious. The drunk <laughs> yes. dial scene was so funny. That was the funniest part. Um, and then, like, later on, when Christian brings her home from the hotel, they're having sex on the couch. And then at the dinner scene, he's there. So there wasn't, there's a little bit more because they do a little bit more girl talk in the book than in the movie where she talks about it and like how they hook up and how like close they are. And I actually think, and I was saying this to Laura and it didn't occur to me until after we recorded the last podcast, but in the book, when uh, Kate says she and her family are going on vacation, um, she invites Elliot or Elliot says like, oh, like maybe I can go with you. And she's like, yeah. So he ends up going on their vacation. And I kind of feel like what? thinking about it now, that's kind of the implication of what him following her to her mother's house kind of was supposed to mirror that. Like, how do you do good relationship? Oh, my old Dom told me to be more receptive to her feelings. She wants me there. Elliot went on vacation with Kate. I should go be with her now. God, he's like a he's like a person who's never seen a relationship before trying to do it like what do couples do oh they go on vacations I'll just show up <laughs> um oh and you you made me think Kate like the one of the funny well okay this was not a joke but one of my favorite parts is the scene where the the she comes home after the first night she spends with Christian when he creepily undresses her and like after rescuing her from the the bar situation where she was like slightly drunk um and she comes home and the roommate is is like oh I you know I slept with Elliot like he's leaving and um she's like what did you do and, and she's like well we only kissed and um the roommate is like what and I wanted Anna to be like well there's a lot of paperwork involved apparently <laughs> so what other questions do you have for us Renata um oh well I do want to talk about this is something um, that friend of the show Margaret Mrs. Friday Nicks on Twitter and, and us were discussing earlier because she'd seen the movie but not read the book and she was just like what's up with the sex genes were those in the book <laughs> and they they were but I'm very curious to know like what were they like in the movie that they're so dramatic that people are asking about them like tell me about them I mean they were just 
Mm-hmm. I know that they were specially tailored to <laughs> hang off his hips. <laughs> Whatever that Rotation means. marks. Yeah, but mm. I didn't notice anything in particular. I I thought I don't know. I I, I honestly thought his um outfits were kind of dadsy, so they looked kind of dadsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You may be asking the wrong crowd. That was something in the book that I don't think we talked about in the podcast because we forgot to talk about everything in the podcast. But uh, it, beforehand, we did because one thing there's a lot of phrases that are repeated heavily in the book, and one of them is Anna's very fixated on the way his pants hang from his hips, and like, what does that mean? Especially when you're talking about a guy's <laughs> pants, like it really just sounds like he's wearing baggy jeans. But it didn't seem like that was what she meant. Do know. jeans? Do jeans hang? Right, like when I think of something, he's hanging usually from wearing your hips, um, like a skirt. Or... Yeah, he's usually wearing flannel pants that hang from his hips, and I, I can't flannel picture it. Pants? Yeah, she says flannel pants. That's a couple of times. Like pajamas? I don't know. <laughs> like heavy gray flannel pants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like little hangers dangling from his hips. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who knows man <laughs> um yeah I, I, st- I still think that means yeah gray flannel pants that ha- hung from his hips okay uh, it's just really funny it um, in, the, <laughs> in the conversation that we had had with Margaret earlier Renata linked to I think it was the Vanity Fair article and it was mm-hmm. talking about the control that E.L. James had over the wardrobe because, you know, she wanted the fans to have the certain wardrobe items that she thought they would miss if they weren't included. (laughs) And I laughed at it when I was reading it. But then I remembered um, when the first Twilight movie came out, one of my friends was so angry that they changed what Bella's prom dress was. Like, she literally (laughs) talked about it for a week, that it's described in great detail in the book, and it was totally different in the movie, and she couldn't believe that they would take something that was that detailed described and completely change it when there was no reason to. And I thought that was important. Right. Well, or even, you know, (laughs) I mean, like, when the first X-Men movie came out, we were like, why are they wearing, like, black leather jumpsuits? What happened to, Uh, like, yellow spandex? Right. Um, oh, you know, like maybe any- you were like that. I was <laughs> like, thank God they put them in regular clothes. This movie would look ridiculous if they were wearing yellow spandex. I mean, I'm what? not even saying that I wanted them to be in yellow spandex. But it was definitely <laughs> a conversation that we had, like my nerd friends and I at the time had. And uh, yeah, I, I think definitely I'm on board with the black leather uniforms. I think Christian Grey should have one also. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> as long as Magneto is still wearing purple and a red bucket on his head, <laughs> right? So, I mean, I, I just to um, because I, I think that is the one of the main goals of worst bestsellers is to point out that fans of everything are equally ridiculous, and not just fans of romance novels. We're all ridiculous. Absolutely, we're all ridiculous. Yeah, um, but remembering that whole conversation, those multiple conversations I had with this girl made me think back to that article and be like, oh, yeah, the fans probably would be upset if the wine-colored dress and the gray chiffon graduation gown and (laughs) the special sex jeans were different. I did appreciate his neatly arranged drawer of all gray ties. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's so organized, because he's so dominant. He's a control freak. He has someone to organize it for him. Oh my gosh. And so my favorite line was not actually in the movie, 
but he did actually say, um, I don't make love, I fuck hard. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> but he did not it, say, it not? my mother was a crack whore, Anastasia, go to sleep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, how much, how much did they go into his past, though? Like, did you find out about his mom at all or about Mrs. Robinson? Only very little on both counts. Mm. Mrs. Robinson's yeah, he, always off screen. He, yes. um, he has a conversation, like, he, when, after a scene, when Anastasia's asleep, um, he comes into her room and lies down with her, and while she's sleeping, he says, like, you know, my mother died when I was four, she was a prostitute and addicted to cocaine, and that's why I am the way I am, and I wish I could tell you when you're awake, and whatever. Yeah, so it was actually a little more than the book, and then they have Is she actually asleep, or? Uh, she kind of wakes up at the end, but yeah. It's weird. And then they go for a walk outside of all places, and talk about Mrs. Robinson. (laughs) All right. Um, were there any other things from the book that you that you missed from the movie, or that you think a a more dedicated fan might have missed? Um, I actually I didn't miss this, but I did notice its conspicuous absence. Is he is not at all weird with her about food? Oh, like good. it's in this the is good. weird with her about food. So weird in the book all the time, Ooh, all the time. That's creepy. Yeah. yeah, it's one of his worst things. Well, and yeah. it, it it goes back to his childhood, too, because he's like, you know, nobody fed me when I was a kid. I was starving, and so I hate it when people waste food. And so he's constantly, like, trying to feed her and make sure she eats. And she's like, I'm not hungry, bitch. That's it's- very, like, Beauty and the Beast. Like, you'll eat what I tell you to eat or uh, whatever he says. Yeah. If you go back so- to the controversy or whatever, it's she's definitely not portrayed as something that she's okay with <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah, she, actually, she makes him take it out of the sex contract because she doesn't want him um dictating whether or not what she eats and whether or not she eats but it's it's definitely like he was starving once so he wants to make sure no one wastes food and is ever starving so whenever she takes food, like if they're at dinner and she takes a plate of food, if she doesn't finish it, he gets mad at her. Or also when when he wants to eat a meal and she says she's not hungry, like all of that. Um, does the movie make it more clear what he does for a job? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> all right. Yeah, he fucks for a living. They're buying and selling <laughs> something. I mean, based on the fact that he goes to Home Depot himself, <laughs> I think that's his... That's his livelihood, right? That's the start of my um, my story called Mr. Gray. I'll go to Home Depot myself, Mr. Gray said. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep Virginia Woolf cut for you. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I did like, um, I liked the, the scene where they discussed the contract a lot in the movie it was done slightly yeah, differently where she decides table. that yeah that yeah since it's a, she like, like a, shows up when she shows up and she's like i'm a business woman now we're gonna talk business it's so hot did she lean in she did. <laughs> i think she was leaning <laughs> oh yeah she leans forward thank goodness it was good and then she was like okay i'm leaving now and he was like what Ooh. She decides that since it's a contract, that they're going to have like a sit down meeting and shows up at his office and makes an appointment and they sit there and have a business meeting where they go through the contract line by line. And it's actually pretty funny intentionally. And I, I did like that bet 
better than kind of like the long drawn out the way that they handled in the book. I thought it was very well done and very amusing. So they didn't read the exact same contract aloud like four times? No. <laughs> no. No. Smart There move. was a montage where they covered some of it and then they talked about the different points and she was like, no. And you could see him like crossing things off with his pen. <laughs> or his pencil. And she asked what a plug is. Yes, she did. <laughs> You could have looked that one up. Yeah, right? that's, that's pretty solid. But the movie, movie, I feel. Um, it did suffer from lack of Wolverine, I'm afraid. Shit. <laughs> what about Dwayne Johnson? Was he in it? or? No. Sorry. Maybe but Taylor was fine. He seemed like he could handle whatever security threats. Okay, that's good. I oh, guess. Uh, can we mention that um, CKR uh, was her stepdad? Who? That's Callum Keith Rennie for the uninitiated. Oh, uninitiated. Yes. thank you. He was for one of the not in Rays, the second Ray on Due South. I appreciated that Jennifer Ely was her mom, or Eel. How do you pronounce that? I don't know. From Pride and Prejudice. Wait, wait, wait. She's she's the mom. Yeah, she's Anna's mom. How old is she? I from guess I'm col- still imagining her like from the she, 90s. I guess she is. I'll look it up. <laughs> Parent- Did she look mom appropriate? I guess. I think so. Okay. She looked mom appropriate. She's like a she's like a kind of um, ditzy like mom. I I don't know how to describe her, but she she seemed appropriate. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I was cool with it. I was. I'm always glad to see her. Did they go to IHOP in this movie? They did not. No. Did they in the book? Yes, and it's one of my what? faves. Yeah, they go to IHOP and they have like a replication of um, the scene in Twilight where she tells Edward that it's not fair to dazzle the waitress. But she doesn't say dazzle in the in Fifty Shades. But what is it? Oh, it's something else. Oh, shit. Oh, it's not fair to dazzle uh, yeah. the waitress? No, it's not that either. It's basically dazzle. She basically. Oh, like, I have it open right here. Disarm. <laughs> Disarm. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that's not even a good word for that. Yeah, she should have just stuck with Dazzle. I should have said it's not fair to Dom the waitress. Right. <laughs> it's not Speaking safe, sane, and consensual. Of- <laughs> Speaking of moms, I did really like uh, Marsha Gay Harden played his mom. Oh, yeah. And the scene where she shows up at the apartment and Anna's yeah. there by surprise was so legitimately yeah. funny. Like, Dakota so Johnson funny. played it so so well she was so pleased that this was happening and that christian was like so long suffering about it i loved it (laughs) and the mom and the mom loves her it was great i mean i guess that answers maybe all the questions i had about the movie at least until my ice castle thaws and i can get out and see it for myself um do you guys have any other things that you want to say about the movie or the book or just the phenomena in general the soundtrack um, was really good. Oh, yeah, the soundtrack was great. Did it have business time from Flight of the Concords? No, it should have. Yeah, it's on my fan mix that I'm <laughs> making as of right now. <laughs> it seemed good. I don't think I'll ever watch it again voluntarily. Mm-hmm. If they do, I might watch the, fir- it, I I might watch watch the scene. Yeah, I might watch the scene where she drunk dials Christian and makes fun of him. Um, I think that's all I really have to say about the movie. I guess um, the thing that in general, and I guess this links back to the phenomenon, is that I've seen all these people like gleefully touting that it has like a 20% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I guess I really don't understand that because it was not terrible. Like, it wasn't good, but it was not 20%. It was definitely, like, because they're saying, like, oh, it's got a worse rating than The Room and then Sharknado and then all these other terrible movies. And 
I would rather watch it than the second Hobbit movie for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we know Uh, why, though. Yeah. We've discussed why. I mean, it's definitely. Dudes! Dudes! But, oh. Everyone should read Roxanne Gay's article about it. Yeah, I like that one. We'll link to it in this episode page. Um, And I I liked her previous. We linked to her previous article about it from our last episode. And that one's also in Bad Feminist, but. Basically, she's saying she thinks the movie's funny, but the the point she made that um that I liked was basically that yeah, this is a fantasy and we shouldn't necessarily judge it so hard, but it would be nice if we could have better fantasies in romantic comedies, like one where you know the sex is good and it's not totally fucked up. And mm. but I I agree that uh that should happen, but also with her that it's not like just on Fifty Shades for this. Definitely not. It comes out of somewhere. Deep inside us all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think we've tapped our, our Fifty Shades conversation out. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm going to say for it out of this. Uh, <laughs> cacao. Red. Red. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Anna and Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Um, glad you got to see the movie and share your thoughts with us. Yes. Thank you. Uh, again, uh Please don't uh, just bl- to our listeners. Don't just blindly stumble into BDSM just because El James told you to. She doesn't really know what she's talking about. Look into it. As Christian Gray tells Anna, start on Wikipedia and <laughs> don't start on Wikipedia. But he does <laughs> work tell her your that. way from there. <laughs> Look at the references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go straight down to the bottom of the article. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks for listening to this bonus episode. We'll be back at you soon with Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life by James Patterson, uh, which does not have any weird sex stuff in it. So get ready Thank for God. that. This is good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, okay. You can follow us on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S. You can like us on Facebook, The Worst Bestsellers with an S on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a good rating there or a bad one if you think that we're responsible for your abusive relationship. (laughs) You can check out an essay that we posted about our feelings on Fifty Shades of Grey, as well as all our past episodes and other various extras that you might be interested in at worstbestsellers.com. You can follow me on Twitter personally at 14across. You can follow me at Renata Snacks. Um, you can follow me at Helga Grace, and my podcast Twitter handle is Bellwether Friends. B l b e l l w e t h e r f r n d s. They took some of our letters too. Twitter. <laughs> you can follow me at Signat at C y g n a u t, like Signet, but not. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 dick in this movie.